Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Of course, this weekend is a three-day weekend, we call it, because of the holiday uh, Memorial Day tomorrow. I sometimes wonder if the uh, three-day weekend part of it, which is nice for us when it comes to planning vacations and getaways and so forth, but sometimes the uh, three-day weekend part of it sort of obscures a little bit the actual holiday, that tomorrow is a day that has been set aside for us to remember uh, those uh, especially who have given their lives in the defense of freedom, and also to remember that as a community, as a nation, as a people, that we are thankful for what God has blessed us with in a world where we have freedom, we have democracy. You know, if you think of world history, think of the whole history of the world, what we consider the norm for us is a relatively new experience in this world. And as we think back on our history and we think back on the history of our allies and the nations that share democracy and share freedom that we value, this is good for us to take this weekend and to spend some time tomorrow and especially to remember. It is Memorial Day. It's a national observance. We are part of a community. And so this morning, as we go to God's Word, I want us to I want to focus on a lesson about one of the, my favorite lessons from the Old Testament on community. And I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to First Samuel chapter thirty. First Samuel chapter thirty. And let's have a word of prayer as we open God's Word. Father, as we do open your Word, and we do pause today to give you thanks that we are a free people. And Lord, as we've mentioned before, we realize today there are so many around this world who do not share this privilege. Many of our brothers and sisters have gathered today with great danger, uh, with a great cost, uh, with great sacrifice. And yet we come freely. Uh, no one hinders us. We come, we open your word, we share it, we teach it, we share it with our children and youth, we sing your praises without hindrance. And Father, we thank you that this uh, freedom has been maintained. And so we give you thanks on this Memorial Day weekend. And we give you thanks, Lord, uh, for those whose lives were sacrificed. The people were freed even around this world because of that sacrifice. And I think it would be appropriate if we just take a moment, just a quiet, silent moment in each of us to give thanks for those blessings that God has given us. In our Savior's precious and wonderful name, we've gathered today Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself to free us to be part of your family. We bring these requests in Christ's name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30 and the background of this chapter is in chapter 29, the life of David. David is not the king of Israel. Saul is still king. David has been anointed by Samuel. He will be king. But uh, there comes a time where because of David's persecution by Saul, and he is persona non grata in Israel, he and a uh, select group of individuals, about 600, have gathered with him 
and he is, uh, he is away from Israel. And in fact, he is joined with the Philistines and he has become part of their traveling group. And the Philistines are going to battle against Saul's army, against Israel. David wants to join them. It doesn't tell us for sure if his intent was really to fight against Israel or to something else going on. He, he says he wants to join them. But the Philistine leaders and kings say, no, uh, David cannot come with us. And so David, uh, who has been working with a man named Achish, who felt really bad about this, has to go to David and say, David, you can't come. You can't go with us to fight against the Israelites, against Saul's army, because uh, they don't trust you. and <laughs> They don't trust what could happen once the battles start. So David leaves with his men to go back to Ziklag, where they had left their families and their children, their wives and children, and all their belongings. And so in chapter 30, it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. This is down, the Negev is down in the southwestern part of Palestine, of Israel, moving down toward the desert areas of Beersheba and so forth. And it says that they had attacked Ziklag and they burned it. And they had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. And the implication we'll see later on in the story is it could be young and old women, but it also seems to indicate children. They took their wives and they took their children as slaves. They burned the camp, they destroyed their camp, and they took all of David's and his, and his men, all their families as slaves and servants and all their goods, and they left. They didn't kill any of them, but they carried them off as they went their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured as well. And then he lists the two wives there. David was greatly distressed, verse 6, because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. So there's a real crisis here. These 600 soldiers, men that are with David who have been loyal to him and have been following him, they are very angry about this. They are very bitter. They've lost their families. I mean, you can know how you would feel. Their families are gone. They're taken captive. They will never see them again, most likely. They don't know what's happened to them. Have they been killed? What's happened to them? They're gone. Is this because David went over with the Philistines? Why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? And these, and these doubts and, these, and to the point of anger that they are actually talking about killing David. There is talk in the camp about stoning David and killing him and punishing him for what has happened. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 6, but David found strength in the Lord his God. David went to the Lord and David found strength and hope. Remember, he's lost his family too. David's in this as well. He's, he, he's in the same situation we're all in. He goes and he finds strength in God during this time of crisis. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man who knew where to go when things like this that were so desperate took place. He found strength in the Lord his God. So David says to Biathar the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod, the, the, the items used for determining God's will. And he brought those. 
And David inquired of the Lord through the priest who had the right to do this and said, Ask God, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Should I go and get our families back? Or is this a lost cause? What is God punishing us? What should we do? And the answer comes back, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and you will succeed in the rescue. So David and the 600 men with him that were going to stone him, they decided they would go with David. They came to Besor Ravine, where some of them stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and 400 men continued the pursuit. And you can imagine the picture. These 600 men who have been following David, they have been with the Philistines. This is the Middle East. It is hot and it's dry and they've been traveling. And they left and they've traveled all the way to Ziklag. The the battle is going to be up north. Those of us who've been in Israel, the battle's up north near Jezreel, up, up in the northern part, up toward Galilee by Megiddo. If you remember that beautiful valley up there, that's where the battle is going to take place. And while the Philistines are going up there to fight Saul, which will be Saul's demise in this battle, David and his men have to go back down south, and they've traveled all the way to Ziklag, and now they have to take off and pursue an army that is left and has gone with their family. And because of that, 200 of them just can't go. They get to a point where they say, David, we, we're too exhausted. We can't go any further. We have to stay here. And so they stay there. And we'll find out later they stay there with the baggage, it's called. I remember years ago, uh, you know, there's always certain sermon uh, titles that kind of stick in your mind. Back in 1973, 1974, I took a year off and interned at the church here when I was in college, at Grace Bible College. And Marlon Olson was our Christian education uh, minister at that time. Now, I always remember Marlon speaking on his passage and the title that he, that he chose. I should have chose that this morning. His title of his sermon was Staying with the Stuff. That was the title of his sermon, Staying with the Stuff. So these 200 men, they were exhausted, yes, but they stayed and protected the rest of the stuff so the 400 could go unencumbered by all the supplies because they have to make haste and catch this fleeing army that's got all their family and things. And so that's the scenario. Well, what plays out here is they run into a young boy who's an Egyptian who's been left behind. And it turns out he is a servant of the Amalekites. He's Egyptian. And they inquire of him. You can read this as you read through here. They inquire of him and, 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 and say, who are you? What's happening? He says, well, I'm, I'm with the Amalekites and we just finished raiding Ziklag. And David says, can you take me to them? Can you lead me to uh, your former masters? Can you do this? And of course, the young boy says, um, I will do that. But he says in verse uh, thir- uh, verse 15, swear to me, you will not swear to me by before God. You will not kill me. I will take you to them. And verse 16, he led David down. And there they were, scattered over the countryside. And you can kind of get the picture here. This huge army of Amalekites from the east, from the eastern side of the Jordan River. They are scattered over um, this, 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 this area. And they are, they are partying. Because not only have they raided David's camp, they have raided all the cities in that area. They have been on a raid and they have raided all these areas. They've taken all these sheep and goats and produce and tents 
and slaves, and they have all this with them, and they've been victorious. And they were scattered over the, and the says, says, eating, drinking, and reveling. This is a big celebration. Eating, drinking, and reveling. Why? Because of the great plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. And David, who had been told by God, by the, by God through the prophet, pursue them and overtake them, attacks. David and his six, they're certainly outnumbered. They are certainly outnumbered. But the 601, David and his men, attack the Amalekites. And they fought from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time was Lawrence of Arabia, right? Some of these scenes kind of conjure up in this picture here of these uh, 400 camels. And they hopped on them and off they fled on 400 camels heading east. So it tells you how big the army was if that was the remnant that was left over that escaped. And the battle was over. And all the things that they had taken, they recovered. Everything. Not only did they recover what they had lost, they recovered all this other plunder that they took from every other camp that they had raided. They recovered everything. The Amalekites had taken, including David's wives and family. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and his men, drove them ahead of the livestock saying, this is David's plunder. And you can imagine the, the relief. I mean, this, this is a tough world. It's a tough neighborhood. And if, if, your, if your wife and children were taken, they were at the mercy. And you can imagine what that meant of these marauding bands that took them. And they were gone, but they've come back. And you can imagine the joy. You can imagine the, the peace and the, and, and the celebration and the confidence in David that they now have that he has brought back everything, and they are coming back home. In verse 21, David came to the 200 men who had been left behind, the men stained by the stuff. They had been too exhausted to follow him, and they were left behind at Besor Ravine. They came out to meet David. It was their families too. They came out. There were their wives. There were their children. There were their teenagers. There was their supplies, their belongings. They went out to meet them. It was their victory too. And as David and his men approached him and greeted him, greeted them, but all the evil men and the troublemakers among David's followers, yes, David had troublemakers and evil men among his 600. They said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. And in fact, in the Hebrew, it says, it's really the word I. They did not go out with me, but it's a collective me. They all said that. They didn't go out with us. They didn't go fight. They stayed back here with the stuff. We went out and did the fighting. They will not share in the rewards of this battle. Yes, they can have their wives. They can have their children. But that's all they get. They will not share in this. And David, verse 23, replied. And you see the heart of David. You see why David, with his faults, is called a man after God's own heart. Verse 23, David replied, No, 
No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord, what the Lord has given us. He has protected us. He has handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies, those who stayed with the stuff, is to be the same as of them who went down to the battle. All will share alike. And David made this a rule. He made this a statute. He made this a governing principle, a value for their people that held for Israel from that time until the writing of this book of Samuel. David made this a rule. And in fact, it really follows the Old Testament law that this was the law, that they were to share. They were a community. They were a people. They belonged to God. It was not an individual matter. And David made this ruling. Everyone who is part of this family, this community, we are all, what they did is just as important. Those who stayed with the stuff, those who stayed with the baggage was just as important as those of us who went out and did the fighting because we are one community. And don't you dare say they do not have a right to the spoils of this war. They will share with us. We will all share. And this became the rule in Israel from that day forward. In fact, when he came back, David shared of the wealth with all the leaders in that area of Israel as well. David, a man after God's own heart. He understood what the term community meant. They were a community. This was a joint effort. And just as a side for a minute, I was thinking about this with Memorial Day, that, you know, we, we as a community, we pause to remember. We pause to remember as a community. I did not serve in the military. I have not fought any battles myself. Um, I grew up in, 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 toward the end of the Vietnam era when my brother, who was two years older, many of his friends and so on, and many of you here uh, fought in that war. Some of you have fought in the Second World War they're here today, in the Korean War, in the Middle Eastern Wars as well. And we are aware of that. This is a community. It's not, it's not just them and us. I think of the, some of you especially, they go back to the Second World War when the, it was such a time that everybody was involved, you, right? The sacrifices at home, the things you gave up, the rationing cards, I think of the stories in, in England of the, of, the, of the people in air raid shelters in the South Pacific and the nations, the, the things that people went through as a community that, were, that experienced these things. Yesterday I was at um, uh, Detroit Airport and we flew home from Michigan yesterday and not too far away is an area called Willow's Run where there was uh, the, the Ford, uh, the Ford industry all of a sudden ramped up during the war and this amazing effort to produce, uh, not cars, but airplanes. And it was an amazing, almost miracle, really, of how this came about and how they did this, not too far from the Detroit airport. It's a community. It's a community. It's part of something we are together. And this is why, as a community, we celebrate times like Memorial Day, because we are part of a community. We are part of a community. We are citizens and, and members of a community. David understood this. David knew it was God's victory. It was God's victory. And everybody who was part of that community 
had a part in that. And those who stayed by the stuff were every bit as important as those who went out and actually did the recovery and brought the people and the other things back to Israel. This past uh, month, we've been focusing on our Bible memory verses on the Word of God, right? We've been memorizing verses. Last week, Pastor Gary uh, shared with you uh, the, pa- the passage about how we shared our lives with you, not just what we shared our lives with the Word of God. And we've been talking about the Word of God, God's Word, both the Scripture and the spoken Word that the apostles brought, that the Lord Jesus Christ had left, that the Old Testament prophets had had given them the word of God for the community and for our world. I want to connect this thought this morning of community and the involvement of all in the Christian community with this concept of the word of God. Our verse today from Romans chapter 10. If you'd like to turn to Rome, we read from this this morning. Romans chapter 10. A very short, this one, this one we could all memorize, right? Some of them have been a little longer than others. Uh, this one is, is not. This is one that's pretty pithy. It's pretty right to the point. Consequently, verse 17 of Romans chapter 10. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing, I learned it, and hearing by the word of God. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ, through preaching Christ, through preaching Christ's word, through preaching the message, the mystery, the body of Christ, this message that was preached to those in Rome by this apostle and to those throughout the Roman world. The Word of God and salvation. We read this passage this morning in the passage, in the verses leading up to it. I notice this context, the context that leads up to this. And Paul is talking here about his own people. This, this chapter begins in verse, chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israelites, they may be saved. They may have the hope of eternal life. They may have the joy of the Holy Spirit. They may know the presence of God in their lives and how wonderful this is. The hope and the love and the joy it brings that God's Word can come into our life and open it up to the good news of salvation, friends. It's good news, right? It's good news. It's wonderful news. And he's told us that people receive at some point, it's the Word of God, not my words, but it's the Word of God that God uses to, to change lives, to bring them to himself all over this world and all throughout the millennium. It's the word of God. But notice what he says as we talk about this word of God at the end of verse 13, where in verse 30 he says, everyone, everyone, Paul is saying everyone. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your station in life. It doesn't matter your possessions. Anyone, everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Calls on the name of the Lord. But then he says this, verse 14. But how? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How could you call on the Lord if you've never heard of the Lord? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've never heard? 
And then how can they hear without somebody preaching, without somebody telling them? And how can that person tell them unless they have been sent? An apostle is a sent one. How can they do that unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. These are Old Testament quotes here. And he continues to quote, quote from Isaiah, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, therefore, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of God, Christ, the word of Christ, the word of God. You see, it's at some point, ultimately, ultimately, it's the word of God that penetrates a life that draws a person to God to open their heart to his goodness and his love. We are simply instruments. We are simply vessels. We are simply ones who can share Christ's love. And that love can be shared through our actions, through our attitudes, through our deeds. At some point, a person has to hear the word. They have to understand. They have to hear God loves you. And God desires to have a relationship with you. God wants you to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. This is what God desires. And they have to hear that. But in order to hear that, somebody has to go tell them. And in order to go tell them, somebody has to be sent. In order for that person to be sent, they have to be called to do. There's a chain of events that takes place in any situation. And in Paul's particular case, this is very personal. He is one who had been persecuting the church, thinking he was doing the right thing. But he was called by God. He was set out. He was separated. And he was given a message, and he is sent with the message of the word of God that Christ died on the cross and paid for our sins and invites us to be part of his family and to have the Lord Jesus Christ be a part of our lives and to know the love of God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. When he gave those parables of the, of the 99 sheep, but the one who was lost... And the shepherd went out till he found that one and came back rejoicing. The woman who lost the coins and found the one coin. This idea that this is why I came. I came to find that one. I came to seek them. Came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians, likewise, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul addresses the same concept, speaking of his ministry, his ministry as an apostle, his ministry as one who is working and serving the Lord. And he, and he says this, if our gospel is hid or veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. For the God of this age has blinded their minds. In verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, and this is good news, let light shine out of darkness. And he has made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The light of God to shine in our hearts. And he says, but if we veil this, it's veiled to those who will never see it. 
And this is why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are here like our Lord Jesus Christ to find that one, to find that one. Now, what's this got to do with David? What's this got to do with, as Marlon said, staying by the stuff? Well, I was thinking about this in connection with our verse today. Our verse today that consequently, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You know, we are part of a community. I like to use the term community of faith to describe the church is, the local church. We are a community of faith. And because we are a community of faith, every one of us has a part in this great work. Isn't it wonderful to be part of something so much greater than ourselves? Think of the ministries that God has called us to. We have ministries going on throughout this week. We have we just wrapped up our Wednesday night club program. We have children and youth of all ages coming here that, that we can minister to. We can share the word of God. We have those of you who are packing lunches so that kids that go home from public schools, not part of this church, but they go home from school without food. And, it, and it's true. These children go home and there's no food at home. When they come home, they get food at school. Some of you have been working all year packing these lunches because faithfully they send home. We're working in a, a team that's been working here with the refugee ministry and, and God leading us to have a place and a part to, to minister and to be a part of this. We have all these different ministries that God has called us to, everything from that to our Sunday school teaching, to our working with our young people, to, to mentoring, to leading, to working in our men's and women's ministries, to serving in worship and drawing our hearts to God through sharing gifts of music, through planning, through giving, all the parts that go into the ministry of the local church. Isn't it wonderful to be a part of something that is so much bigger than just you and me in our lives? Isn't it? It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have something, to be a part of something so great. And I want to encourage you this morning, friends. Every one of you has a part in this. Maybe you can't come and prepare lunches. Well, you could provide. Maybe you can't work with the children. But you can pray, you can encourage. You give your offerings that allow us to have quality materials and resources and facilities to serve our children and youth. Maybe you can't go to camp this summer and be a camp counselor. I, I marvel, I look back on my years growing up in this church and I think back on the people that, that I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate it at the time. But as an adult, I appreciate it that these people took off their vacation. They had two weeks vacation a year and they took a week's vacation to come and counsel us at camp and live with us in cabins at camp and put up with us. Maybe you can't do that, but you could help a kid go to camp. You could pray for camp. You know, this week there's a, there's a great ministry going on in Southeast Asia. I always hesitate to pull my phone out because when I do, Keith Kemper calls me up here, you know. But it's on silence. It's not going to work. So you can go ahead and call me, Keith. It's not going to work. But I wanted to share a message this morning I got from, uh, from Gary. And uh, those of you that are on Facebook, our church Facebook page has a little video. Uh, they're over in Southeast Asia. They've been in Chiang Mai in, in, uh, in Thailand for the conference. And Gary and Rachel and Alex are there representing our church. And uh, Gary sent me, the, he sent me a picture this morning 
He said, we are finishing up our last evening of the Southeast Asian Grace Church Conference. Everyone, and this is several hundred people there, um, from Southeast Asia and the Philippines and Indonesia primarily who have gone in these other countries to work as missionaries. And we have sent some to America as well, but the bulk of the work is being done by the Filipinos and the Indonesians. Everyone there speaks fondly of our church and is grateful for Bereans' partnership with the work here. Here is a shot of Alex giving an update about Brian's ministries, giving an update to them about our ministries, and then shared a little video clip that we did from several of us here who sent our greetings. Alex was nervous, but you can tell his mother that I reminded him to speak with boldness and courage. Because every Sunday when we come in, if she's in the prayer room, the last thing she says is boldness and courage. Back when I was a young guy, college age, and I, when I first preached in the church here, when I was in an internship, Tully Roach sat right about there where, where trainers sitting. Old Tully Roach, Tully Roach, who was a, a wonderful guy, great, great sense of humor, great man, man just uh, elder in our church. He'd come up, he would be honest. You know, when you're young, everybody tells you how wonderful you are, even if you're not, right? And he'd be honest and say, that was, that was good, but be bold, he said. Be bold, <laughs> be bold. And Joanne reminds us every week, be bold and have courage. And so Gary reminded Alex, they're there in Southeast Asia. You can't be in Southeast Asia today. I can't. We were there six years ago at the first conference. And these churches there and these people there feel a deep connection with Berean. Why? Because we support them. We pray for them. Our missionary, Women's Missionary Fellowship, pray. We write letters. We give sacrificially to support this ministry. These, I want to tell you, these people, they sacrifice for this work. Gary went on and said, I told Gary I'd share this, and he said, if you'd like to share this with the congregation as well, the churches here have commissioned two families to work in two new fields, East Timor and Vietnam. They have commissioned, not Americans, but they have commissioned, most likely Filipinos, to go to East Timor and Vietnam. It's Memorial Day weekend. I was at my daughter's granddaughter's graduation last week, and my, my oldest granddaughter graduated from high school. And I was thinking back when I graduated from high school, who would have ever thought we'd be sending missionaries to Vietnam? We're sending missionaries to Vietnam. You can, maybe you can't go there. Maybe you're here staying by the stuff. Maybe we're here staying by the stuff. But we are going there. We are going there with them. You are going with our children. You are going with our young people this summer to camp. You are going to Bible study fellowship this week with those here who minister. We open up, well, it's over now for the year, but we open up our church because you give so we have facilities that we can offer them to other ministries. Listen, friends, every one of us is a part of this community of faith. And I don't want anybody to ever feel, I don't care what your state in life is, I don't care what your abilities or disabilities, your finances or not, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, that are maybe out front in public, but are maybe behind the scenes. Every one of us is just as important as the other. Sometimes our role changes. 
Sometimes what God allows us to do changes. Sometimes we are out there in the front lines and sometimes we are staying by the stuff. It's all part of what God is doing. And friends, it's a great work. And God has called us to this great work to pray, to encourage, to give, to lead, to teach, to serve, and to minister on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you can't pack lunches, but you can pray for them. You can pray for our refugee ministry that God will direct us and we will have a wonderful opportunity. There are those in the front lines who are working this and spending time with this. There are those who are going to go to council camp this summer. Listen, friends, we are in this as a family together. And I close with this. Memorial Day in my family was a special time. My mom was kind of old school. I remember in Minneapolis when I lived there, my uncle, her brother, uh, every year Memorial Day would go out and make sure the family urn for the Walters and Morgan family uh, was filled with flowers. I can remember every year a Memorial Day with my mother going over to my dad's cemetery over here at the Jewish cemetery right here in Shoreline and bringing flowers. It was just something we did. Why? We, it was important to her. It was part of our family history and part of our story to remember. And as we close our service today, I want you to know, I, you might be really new to this church. Maybe you're visiting today. Maybe you've been here like I have since it started. I just want you to know, we have a history too. We have a history. It's a beautiful story of people who have sacrificed, who has given, who has served, that we have this ministry today that we can be a part of. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen? Let's sing to him. Coming up and let's sing our last song of worship this morning as we conclude our worship time together. Everybody stand. And I ran into two different people this week. They're just lost. And you talk to them about Jesus and it just doesn't fit their profile. It just doesn't fit how they manage their life or how they do things. Where would we be without Jesus? I can't, I can't even imagine. I come to the garden alone. Isn't joy a beautiful word? A joyful this morning. God yes. loves you. God loves you. You are part of something wonderful, something big, something great that God is doing. If you're not, join us. Receive Christ as your Savior. Receive forgiveness for sins. Receive the love of God in your heart and be a part of this wonderful ministry of doing God's work on this earth. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to the end of the service, and I just think tomorrow, Lord, as, as we have Memorial Day, some will be working, some will be off. Kids are off school. Um, Lord, uh, it would be good for all of us to just take a little bit of time and to just... Pause and reflect and give thanks 
give thanks that we are a free people. What a blessing to be able to come and gather, to share your word, to preach it, to teach it, to be a part of work like we've talked about in Southeast Asia this morning. Pray for Gary and Rachel and pray for Alex and the others. And as our church is represented there, Lord, we just, we just pray that that bond that we have with them will truly unite us in this great work. We thank you, Father. And may we just stop and, and just give thanks this weekend and reflect and rejoice. In Christ, our Savior's name, we have gathered today and we do leave this place with joy in our hearts. Amen.